All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck doodles? Yeah. Threw a new one in there. What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Martha Plimpton is on the show. And also, I did a short interview with my friend Lori Kilmartin, who's a new special, 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad, is on CISO.com. Lori and I go way back to the Bay Area. She's a writer at uh, Conan O'Brien, always one of my um, favorite comics. And uh, I like her company. And she's uh, solid. She did a WTF a while back. It's good stuff. Oh, you know what I wanted to say? As some of you know, the Bruce Springsteen episode picked up a lot of traction. Uh, we obviously did uh, we did some uh, we did some some lifting for uh, the cable news world, and he gets out there in this way, this clickbaity sort of uh way where i don't know if people really engaged i know most of you did most of the bruce fans did and certainly people who listen to this show did but but what uh, clickbait diminishes and what you know pulling a couple of quotes that uh, bruce made about trump out of that interview is it sort of diminishes the 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 scope and breadth of the interview that was a very unique and uh compelling and deep conversation with a great artist that just gets caught up in this whirlwind of cable news bullshit. And, you know, it's sort of like, I know a lot of people enjoyed it, a lot of people listen to it, but it, it sort of, it bums me out because I hope that people go listen to it. And I hope they just don't respond to, you know, like bleh, bleh, the clickbait garbage or the segment. They go listen to the whole thing. It was a, a sweet hour with, uh, with Bruce Springsteen. It's like a very memorable thing. For me to go out to Jersey and talk to him. So I hope he enjoyed it. All right. I just picked up a, a, a copy of The Wild, The Innocent, and The East Street Shuffles. That was called. I didn't have that one. I listened to that the other day, and it's great. It's great going back into the old Bruce catalog. It's great. Listen, the garbage people are coming. And by that, I don't mean there's some sort of weird army of pirates and uh, evildoers on the horizon. Literally, the garbage trucks are out there. Thank God. You never know with the holiday thing. When are going are they gonna come the day after? Are they gonna come? When are they coming? I went to the doctor. Maybe that's what I should do. That's what I should do right now is tell all you guys who are like fifty or in your fifties who are avoiding the doctor because you have a fear of fingers. Uh go. Go get your yearly checkup. Don't die of something stupid. Don't die of something preventable. Yeah, I panic and I go and I'm I'm going to go get the another test, but everything tests out fine and uh, I'm okay. Thank you for asking. But go, will you? Go get the checkup if you can. I, I guess that's as good a way as any to evolve into this conversation with, that I have with uh, my friend Lori Kilmartin, whose special is, uh, it's sort of a, a bit documentary, a bit comedy special, but it all revolves around her father's death from uh, from lung cancer. And... I have not had to deal with that yet, and I imagine it's coming if I don't go first. And I thought it was a very interesting way. It was a very honest way and a very bold way for a comedian to deal with uh, with the death of a parent. A couple years ago, uh, when she was almost, you know, obsessively tweeting about her father's hospice care and dealing with her father's illness, 
as a way to cope for herself, but I, I believe it helped other people. I believed it, uh, it certainly helped her. It might have helped her old man. But uh, the special is sort of uh, you know talking a bit about that and then moving into the actual performance of these jokes that revolve around this this very real theme that a lot of us seem to avoid. And um, so I, I was excited that uh, that I thought to give her a call and have this chat with her. So this is me and uh, Lori Kilmartin. This special you did is like half doc almost or a quarter doc. I think it's uh, a third doc. A third doc. Yeah. And then like two thirds would be the stand up. Yeah. Stand up. Yeah. And I watched it. You did. I did. I watched Thank it. Thank you. I know you told me like I didn't have to watch it, but why would I do that to you? Well, because you're a comic. I would never want or demand or expect a comic to watch a comedy special. I know, but I know you. I like you. Yeah. It's not you. like you're some person that just shot me an email like, hey. <laughs> Just watch my special. I know, but still, you know. And I, also, it's it's very compelling, uh, the angle. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, it's, it's called 45 Jokes. 45 right? Jokes about, about My, my dead, dead Dad. About Your Dead Dad. Yeah. 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. I didn't know what that was going to be, but it's really that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would do... My dad died uh, a couple years ago. In fact... When I did my my long form WTF yeah. with you, yeah. the day it dropped is the day he went into hospice. Really? Yeah. So all that was going on? Yeah, that was right. Be- yeah. See, yeah. not only did I not pick that up when you were here, but I missed <laughs> the entire Twitter event of his passing. <laughs> and I follow you. That's how self-involved I am. They're like... <laughs> I guess I must have registered at some point. I like, oh, hope Lori's okay, but I didn't. I didn't see oh, well, the I, phenomenon happen. I I was like, I should be retweeting my WTF more, but I'm I'm really busy helping my dad die. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. Probably, yeah. Sorry, I didn't promote it as much as I should. Have. Oh, oh no, it was fine. You know, yeah, it's not, you had bigger things. Apparently, you were writing a show. But um, yeah, <laughs> I was doing some creative work. But but the weird thing was is that I didn't realize that the inception of it was because. Because you were, I, it almost seems compulsively tweeting yeah. about the process of your father's dying. Right, right, right. And w- there were some things you said in the doc that I thought were in the special that I thought were really interesting just in terms of comedy that when when you started to go through it and then I started to realize, y- you know, how frequent it was and that you were almost obsessively into it Yeah, to, to insulate yourself from falling into a, a complete darkness. Yes, that that it was serving you and that there were some you know moral and ethical questions you had to ask yourself either <laughs> during it or or at least in retrospect yeah. but it really seemed that at the time and people began to follow you cuz you were tweeting doing these jokes about him dying of cancer that at the time you didn't seem to have a choice no and i was trapped in a house in in my house my parents house with my sister my mom and my dad it was just us and he had a few visitors and stuff yeah. but um, that's just enough to make you crazy, even if everyone's healthy. Right. But when someone's dying, then you just, you're about to go off the deep end. So. Right. And he had had lung cancer. Yes. And you knew that. So this yeah. was all the the arc of it. Right. Like by the time he, he got to hospice care at his house, mm-hmm. 
it you knew you had ev- you had moved through this process. Yeah, but you still don't think your dad's. You still think you're gonna, your dad's going to be that one guy that went into hospice and then yeah. beat it and then yeah. lived to be a hundred. Right. You know, you still cannot fathom that that sure. person's going to be gone. And this is the first person that you've lost. You know, luckily, first big loss. Is right. Pretty late in life. And how old yes. is he? Was he, he was eighty three. That's like you know, that's, that's old. That's a good. That's good a good run. life. Good yes. run. <laughs> you can't complain. You can't. So. But I, the so you you thought that you knew he had cancer. And I imagine you weren't. You were up there infrequently. Yeah. During it. Yeah. F- checking pretty frequently, in. at least probably like every other weekend, I'd fly up and then, yeah, and then on the phone constantly recording right. all of our phone calls. Yeah. You were recording the phone calls. Yes. From the beginning. Um. As soon as he got sick, I started recording everything. Why? I. I just well, first of all, sometimes he would start talking about his yeah. life and his past, and I wanted that. Oh, and I, I don't know. I just thought I would want to hear it one day. Right, interesting. So, like you were like because when you're engaged in it, you don't always hear it, and oh, you certain, yeah, and you can't necessarily remember everything. Right, and there it does come a, a time where I think like you don't really know your parents. <laughs> no, until. This happens, or until they get too old to realize that they're telling you shit they're not supposed to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you also don't know, like you can you can prepare. Like my mom is still alive, and yeah. I should be preparing myself, and I should be ready for her to go. But I know I'm still as annoyed with her as I always am, even though I know she's 79 and it's a it's a rough 79, yeah. and I still can't. Do even though I know the steps, I should be, you know, getting all this information and just hugging her and holding her and stuff. Yeah. And I still can't, but you know, stop myself from snapping when she invades any sort of or crosses a, an emotional boundary or something. <laughs> well, you know? you know, it is their fault. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I tell her that every day. Good. Well, that's kind of like I love you. <laughs> In our family, definitely. <laughs> well, it seems like there was an understanding of the tone yes. throughout the family. Yeah. But but you said something in, in the doc part where you said that that the jokes I don't know if you knew it in in the time you were tweeting it because you did like it became sort of a phenomenon you tweeting about yeah. your father's um, uh, illness and I and I think it became a phenomenon because you know everybody deals with that to some degree mm-hmm. unless people you know die suddenly everyone's right. gonna deal with it yeah. And like Conan said in the uh, in the documentary part of it, that you know death and dying is something we've moved out of the house. That people, the fragility that that happens to people, we mm-hmm. don't really uh, connect with it anymore. Yeah. And he brought up that amazing point that it used to be people. You know, when I was a little kid, you'd go to someone's house and there was a hospital bed in the fucking living room. <laughs> Right. Yes. Because yeah. you know someone's grandparent was dying. Yes. Yeah, somebody. Every family had a dying member. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah. They, in that room. Yes. And it just it's it's not part of our culture anymore. And I don't think I, I don't think that people detach from the feelings that are connected with that, but they actually detach from the event of it. So it seems that a lot of people are like, I went through this, or this is amazing because you know we're all going to have to deal with this, and and then the support came, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing you said was you were control. It was a means of control. Right. It was like you're having a, a something thrown at you really hard and fast and, and all right, this is how I catch it and I'm going to push that ball away. All right, give me the next one. You're just constantly maybe it's like having a tennis ball machine just coming at you and you're just batting right. them away as quickly as possible. And that's what we do anyways. Probably before we were comics as funny people or as people that have whatever it is, the sickness yeah. that yeah. enables them to do comedy. Mm-hmm. 
that's how we managed emotions or deflected emotions or dealt with anger or dealt with sadness yeah was to you know get a laugh yeah. or at least frame it somehow that you know we could be comforted yeah and and it's it's also more fun to do with if a dating situation goes awry you know you, right you, all right can you crack yeah, here, your knuckles let me have at it five yeah. new minutes you know yeah. Um, and so when you had a couple of those, in there. <laughs> yeah, when it's something that isn't as fun to go through, it is, you know, it's in, it's interesting to at least tackle it the same way as you tackle all the other crap that happens in your life. And when you were in it and when you were dealing with it, when he did come to the house for those nine or 10 days, because mm-hmm. um, I can't imagine it. And, you know, I, I think about my own death more than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very selfish that way. I, yeah. I know my parents are much older and they're, you know, theoretically going to get it first, but I'm yeah. still a little preoccupied <laughs> with with my own health and concerns. But, it's um, natural. I guess. But I mean, was there any, as hard as it was, did it become something that you could understand just as existentially as a person like that? Like, did it become easier, you know, as he was really dying there in the house? Yeah, because I could talk to somebody about it that wasn't my sister or my mom, who was also that we were all just freaked out. So yeah. it, it was a a way to call a friend, right? Now I didn't. Yes, I'm a comic, right? And I don't have friends. No, <laughs> I just have other comics I know. You Here, know? Here's how we go out with our friends. Oh fuck! I guess. <laughs> There, it's a party. I don't know. I, if you're a real friend, you won't contact me. <laughs> they want to have dinner. I don't know what that means. I know. What do you talk about? <laughs> it's so fucking sad. It is sad. Are we just going to sit there and I don't know. I don't know the guy she's with. You know, <laughs> I know. The couple thing. Anyway. Yeah. But but outside of all the support you're getting from you know strangers. Yeah. Which must have been comforting. Like Great, Very comforting. And people were coming by and stuff. Yeah, my dad. My dad had a few friends. He had like dog park friends, uh-huh. so they came by, and some family members came by. And he was conscious the whole time for, for the he most was part. until the last day. He was, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So he, he a little high, very high. Yeah, yeah. And he was like a war vet, a Korean war vet, and never complained. And we were supposed to give him morphine. He wanted. He held out until his pain was at a ten, and then then he started taking morphine all the time. So quite high at the end. Wow. Yeah. You talk about the morphine and the bits. Yeah. <laughs> And then, but you know, the interesting thing about the the special is that you know you you were I guess you learned from doing the jokes, you know, outside of the Twitter stuff, that there had to be some balance to where you didn't seem insensitive, yes. like like you had to address the fact that you were grieving, mm-hmm. and that it, this wasn't just these weird callous jokes. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I sometimes I get angry when the audience doesn't go immediately down a callous path, you know? <laughs> What's <laughs> like, wrong with you people? Yeah. You have normal feelings? You, know? <laughs> you, you want me to know I love my parents first before I tell you I want them to die? Or Yeah, what's wrong with you yeah. guys? Yeah, They don't assume that. Yeah, you do have to, you have, you have to hold their hand a little bit. Well, there was uh, some, some footage in there from when you were running the jokes. Yeah. And that moment, what- So awkward. I mean- well, yeah, because well, what what is it exactly? Explain it. I I this happened twice, and one time I had it on video uh, where I I was in the middle of like a regular nightclub set at yeah. a regular comedy club, and I and I I have this little chunk on my dad. I'm working on. He's already dead, and um, it's about him, whatever. And uh, it's hard to go into 
no, there's no regular material that sets you up for it really right. well. You know, yeah. I have a kid. I talk about that. Yeah. Dating. Okay. Right, right. And my dad's dead. Yeah. It's Saturday night. What? Yeah. We're here for dick jokes, lady. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. And plus, he was newly dead, so I wasn't good at talking about it. You well, know? that's the interesting thing yeah. about us, since we don't have the friends, is that yes. you're going to process this shit in front of a room full of strangers yes. without having a handle on it. Right, right. So, so just even practicing saying my dad died like i guess i'm okay at saying it now because it's been two and a half years but you know two months after i was like my, you know it was hard to get out you were in it still. so i think once if you're not completely comfortable with the topic the audience picks up on it so i i do think it's partially my fault for for talking about that stuff um in front of you know where i had where the other material had been just very polished and then also right. not only is it new material but it's a really tough topic for me to you know be casual about and and honestly i mean theoretically if you know anything about death is true that you know you hadn't really processed the feelings correct completely. yeah right and this was like whether you want to admit it or not this was how you were processing yes yeah. So you dragged people through. <laughs> <laughs> Paying customers. Some of them paid. A lot of them had Groupons and free tickets. Well, but fuck some them. of them paid. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I know that experience only from talking about, you know, not, not anything is bad, but when I was going through that divorce, yeah. where I was just, that was where I was doing it. And people yeah. were horrified. I have no, <laughs> no handle on the emotions, the anger and the pain. Well, yeah. If you, you know, you, you give them, you know, 15 solid minutes and then you, you, take five for yourself and then you give them the rest of the time it should i think it's a good it's a still a good deal of course but like you know the, and also with you is that you know you write jokes yeah like you know you sit you know you have that control like with me i'm just like just spewing you're just spurting yeah yeah i'm just like <laughs> maybe we'll land somewhere <laughs> so good so going into it, you were like, "Well, this this is this is structurally it's technically sound. It's a joke, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not. I'm, I'm not going to cry at the end of this. Yes. That's not part of the plan." Yeah. <laughs> so what did happen though? What were those two incidences? I, I saw. I, it was hard to hear what she said, but I, she 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 said, "My mom just went into hospice, and I don't think this is funny." And um, so I just sort of talked to her a little bit, and then I ended up buying her a beer and climbing off stage and giving her a hug. And that turned out to be enough. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is okay. Arizona. If you give someone a hug and buy them a beer, you're in Nobody, good shape. But ultimately, it's somebody who's like, you know, not at the stage you're at, who's yeah. dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they were being critical of you. They There was just no way it's for them to see it as funny. emotional reaction. Right. And it, it was worse when I was in Seattle. I did a guest set, like a 10-minute guest set on a Saturday show. Yeah. You know, somebody else's show. I was just up there trying to work this stuff out. And... uh so it's a great crowd, and I'm. I was like, I'm doing this material no matter what. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, no, I know. I, I got to work on it. I got to work on it, yeah. and it's kind of working. And then you know, there was one joke. I ended up dropping it, but it was like some kind of cremation joke, mm -hmm. and it went nowhere. And then some. That silence gave somebody the space to to go. This is awful, or, or whatever, and and say my dad died, and she, her dad had just died, too, like probably the same time my dad died, right. and then she just she stomped out of the room right. in very high heels. It was at the underground, the oh, Seattle yeah, underground. Yeah. Oh, so the, you in that hear, place, the new one with the floor. Yeah, the clomp, Tile clomp, floor, clomp, yeah. clomp out, and yeah. it's a Saturday. You know, every com comedic instinct. It's a great Saturday crowd, like. Uh, 
you know, yeah. let me just mop this up with five killer minutes. Did and, you do it? And, no, I just kept going. It hurt. <laughs> it hurt my body to keep bombing. Um, and it was so uncomfortable. And, and then she was clomping up the stairs. Like, it took her a minute to clomp out of the room. Yeah. And the audience, they could hear. And her son came up afterwards and apologized and, and said, that, you know, we had, I made up with him, I guess, but she was gone. Well, I mean, theoretically, you know, that's, you know, the appropriate thing to do would have been to clomp without talking. <laughs> yes. You know, like, you know. Take your shoes off and like, then walk out silently. Right. Well, that's yes. what we want. Yes. You know, it's it's sort of like, you know, instead of ruining the show, just leave. Yeah. And come back when the yeah. other guy's on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's yeah. etiquette, but but it is emotional shit. Yeah. So, and yeah. you just, you just did it. You just kept pounding away. Yeah. I, it's st- Did it help? I, um, it it must have helped. It always helps. You always get information from the audience on whether a joke works or not, and why why it doesn't work. You know, that's also like that. I think the chunk that I was working on that she walked out on, I just dropped because it wasn't strong couldn't get enough. it. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, it helped me. Yeah. Right. It <laughs> helped it you process me, your feelings. Yes. It will help me realize this 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 path I'm trying with these jokes isn't going to work. So let me just pull up and work on the other stuff that is working, you know? Well, it's interesting because, like, you know, watching the set and watching the stuff with your sister and, and Conan's there, and yeah, I'm always happy to see Kindler mm-hmm. and Patton, mm-hmm. who, who is post his horrible tragedy. Yes. Um, and who, who else popped up? Your family? Yeah. Your and my sister, friend Cheryl. Yeah. Your friend Cheryl. Is that, you know, once you're on stage, you know, you can tell that, you know, you set it up like this is exactly what it is. Yeah. And you're okay with it. Like mm-hmm. you've processed your grief at that point. Yes. For the most part. For the most part. It's it, seven months after. Yeah. That's still. It's still fresh. Yeah. And I look at it now and I think, oh, that, but I think, oh, that joke I tell better now or I could tell sure, better. Sure, of course. Yeah. Right, right, right. But, but, you, but you go out of your way to, to, like, I think the jokes about you crying are really important. Yeah. You, you know, or else yeah. like you, you'd be like, you know, this, she is sociopathic. Yeah. I mean, she's not, she's, <laughs> right, we're, right. we're just watching her avoid uh, <laughs> processing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it, it's definitely a, a sort of groundbreaking special and it's funny and it was moving. And uh, wait, now where did you, where can, is it out? Thank you. It is out. It's on CISO. Oh yeah. And you're you're, you're see- one of the crew that's doing the I'm specials on CISO. I'm part of the CISO crew. Oh yeah. yeah. Stan and, Hope, Jenna Friedman, Garofalo, good, a lot of good comics. Yeah. Um, and if I, yeah, it's CISO.com. Okay. And it's called 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. Correct. Well, thanks for talking about it. Thanks for having me, Mark. Okay. Appreciate it. Okay. That was, uh, I love her. And you can, uh, as she said, you can get uh, that special 49 Jokes About My Dead Dad at uh, CISO. Now what? We got Martha Plimpton coming up. Martha Plimpton, who I did not know. I had never met, but I was excited to meet her. Um, Martha Plimpton is on the uh, the new ABC comedy, The Real O'Neills, uh, which airs Tuesday nights at 9.30, 8.30 Central. But she's also been a- around a long time, like my girlfriend, Sarah Kane. Uh, when I told her who she was and then I pointed out who she was, a lot of times Sarah doesn't necessarily remember the name, but if I guide her to an image or maybe hit a trigger uh, with a title like Goonies, the whole world opens up to her. She loves Martha Plimpton. Martha Plimpton was her ideal uh, female archetype when she was younger, when you watched Goonies. And now Martha Plimpton is a, a, a seasoned actress 
and uh, I have to say, quite a New York character. It's always nice to uh, to talk to somebody who is. Uh, oh, I'm gonna sneeze. <clears throat> oh, it's not happening. It's such a tease, man. Just give me the sneeze. Give me the fucking payoff. Damn it. Not happening. So I'm always excited to uh, to talk to real New Yorkers. And Martha is definitely a real New Yorker. And we and we get into it. So this is me and uh, Martha Plimpton. Annette Benning was in here. You're kidding. Yeah, she came over. It's always odd to me, you know, people just you drive get, up. You're getting all the big shots, and then today me. Well, you're a big shot. Not really. Oh, but you're uh, uh, you're yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. People know who you are. It's so yeah. weird, because I had this weird memory of you, and I don't even know if it's real anymore, okay. or, what, or what was going on in your life, or what. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I was a, a doorman. At the comedy store. Oh, yeah. I was a doorman and I was like, you know, all jacked up on blow and <laughs> in Hollywood and like watching. And it was with that guy, Josh Miller, right? Oh, yeah. I remember him. He Basically, walked around yeah, with yeah. a cane. Yeah, yeah. And he's a character. Yeah. And you, it was with and Donovan. And Pauly Shore was Pauly there. Shore and Donovan's kid. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, Donovan's, uh, Ioni. Don, yeah, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Her name. Her Ioni name. Ioni Sky was Donovan's kid. And, but then he had a son, too. Right, named Donovan. Right. Right, <laughs> I knew I. Yeah. I had. I don't remember Ioni being there. That's Donovan's kid too. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I see her around. Yeah, yeah, she's I used a mom to. now. People just they become moms. I know it's crazy. Yeah, men and women they marry. I know they become or not or they don't or they just become moms. Or they just become moms or dads. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's a lot of ways to do it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, uh, you know, I I don't know. I've been married twice, and it's uh, you know, no kids didn't work out. Yeah, well, parents, it's all right. That's all right. How about you? Never married. Anything? No kids. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Free. Free and easy. That's what you call that. Freedom. Free and easy. Freedom just to be alone with your thoughts. Yeah, that's right. Well, I got a fella. Yeah. Which is good, but, yeah. you know, but also he lives over on the other side of the world, so. Like literally or? Yeah, he lives in, in London. Oh, I thought you were going to say Santa Monica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> London. I, I have no sense of that city, but it's like it's, like it always amazes me you're there, and it's like there's a lot of history here. Like in the yeah. in the states, yeah, it's an it, old one. Yeah, it only goes back a couple hundred years. Know, like the oldest thing, you're like, oh my god, this house, know, yeah, is a historical monument. That's right. So, all right, let's let's go through the whole thing. Okay. Do you want to? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Um, when you were you grew up in New York, do you still I live did. there? I still live there. And you drove that car out here? No, no, no. I shipped it out. Oh, what does that mean? Someone else you know, drove I, it? Yeah, put it on a truck. Oh, oh you didn't you didn't want to do the glorious drive across I've the I've done that. I've done that 13 times. I've done it enough. <laughs> I'm exhausted. But you usually live in the city. I do. Yeah. Brooklyn. Now but, Brooklyn. And but you were, I grew up in Manhattan. You did? Yeah. With uh actor parents. Well, my mom was an actress until I was like 8. Yeah. Oh, so then it, she got out of the game. Yeah, yeah. Smartly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but your dad's a character. She couldn't hack it. Nah. Yeah, couldn't take it. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's well, a then tough I game. started acting. So yeah, and you, you really can't have just a mom and a daughter both acting. But your dad wasn't there. Nobody's make a living. It was just a two. No, years. dad was out here. Oh, he was. So mm-hmm. that day, that was already done. Yeah, that was done before I even came out. Really? Oh yeah. Do you have a relationship with that guy? Oh yeah. Oh, you guys yeah, are sure. all right. Oh yeah, we're all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so like that's the Carradine family. That's right. Correct. Yeah. And I have a half brother and sister that my dad went had. and had. Yeah. 
And you're uh, friends with and them? And they're out here very much so. Love them. That love was them Well, that's nice. Yeah, it's great. How did that, was that always easy or did it like- No, it was definitely not always easy. Horrible. Well, I didn't mean- <laughs> Is that what you're saying? <laughs> so traumatic. Yeah, it was. It was, right? Well, Come sure. Oh, yeah. look, all childhoods are traumatic and right. horrible. Yeah. And mine was that other version of it. But you had your mom. I had my mom. Who's, who was an actress who and was quit. was an actress and quit it. Did she have bad things to say about it? No, she just couldn't make a living. She needed to support us. Like, I think she did some weird shit in the 60s, right? Yeah, she did. Well, she did hair. That's where my parents met. Uh, in the show, the Broadway show. In the show. Broadway show of hair. Have you ever done hair? I sang in a concert version at the UN on like the 25th or 30th anniversary or something. Of the of, of hair? Of the, the show, the... yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. At the UN? In yeah, the, with in the Donna big... Summer. Really? Yeah. In the big yeah. room? In the big, well, I don't know. We were in not in the room where they're all sitting in a with headsets, big room. right? Yeah, no, but not, not, not that. The, one. No, not the headset. You weren't room. at a podium. No, not the being translated. Room. No, 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 <laughs> no. But they broke up before I was born. Yeah. And then my dad uh, wasn't really around. Then I met him when I was like five. Yeah. Maybe six. He just came around. Well, I think somebody called him and was like, "You know what? You gotta." <laughs> You got to get on this. Check in with the kid. Your, you your had. kids. Your kid's like almost an adult. You got to call him. She's five. Yeah, she's, she's almost <laughs> she's an adult. Almo- yeah, she's <laughs> cooking meals for herself. You have to now. <laughs> Someone's got to take get care in of her. touch. And that and and he did. Yeah. Did and he, then I, you know, I'd see him maybe once a year. Uh huh. For like a week or two. But for the most part, it was just you and your mom. Yes. And so she was an actress. Did she? Wasn't she in uh, Putney Swope? Yes. Or, that's yes, it. she's the face-off girl. Yeah. Yeah, you gave me a dry hump. That one. That was yeah, a, yeah, that's my mom. That's a pretty important movie. I know, it's a hugely important movie. Yeah, it's a life yeah, changer. I know, that, majorly. That not a lot of people know about. I know, well, they should. Yeah. Did you, um, all right, so what does she tell you? What does she say about acting to you? What does she- Nothing. Really? Well, she said- she said something, I mean, you know, the yeah. standard stuff. Like, it's not have easy. Have taste, yeah. have integrity. Oh. But not the, uh, like, it's crazy, you know, don't throw your I life away. I grew up around it, everybody, and I, you know, it was a foregone conclusion I was going to end up doing it. So your mom hung out with the crew, with the acting crew? Pretty, well, all of our friends were actors, all yeah. of our friends were in the theater, all uh, of them were in the some theater. way avant-garde, and, you oh, know, yeah? my mom used to do shows at, like, Top of the Gate. Oh, Yeah. Remember, like the Village Gate. Sure, no I used to. There. Yeah, I used to do shows there. Yeah, they had that the room up upstairs and upstairs. the little lounge room, that's and then right. the basement. The basement, with the big room. That's right. The big concert room. The, that's right. The Lugoffs. That's right. That's right. And you, she used to do like these sort of avant-garde concerts with Liz Liz Suedos. Uh huh. And these sort of crazy sort of shows. So what was this there. like? The seventies. Seventies. Yeah, I'm so, born in 1970. All right. So you're you know in the mid seventies, you're being taken out. Yeah. And seeing weird shit. Weird shit. And yeah. <laughs> And hanging out with Liz Suedos and all kinds of people singing songs with made up words. Exactly. A lot of like weird uh, movement things. Right. Yeah. Like the woman who wrote, Liz Suedos, who wrote Runaways, the yeah. musical Runaways. Right. So she, like, do you, and you remember it? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And now I, well, I imagine if you're seeing that kind of theater, why wouldn't you want to do it? Well, yeah, it's just what everybody's do doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, you know, it does, yeah, you can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can act like an idiot. Does that exist anymore? Mm, maybe to a certain degree. Sure. I mean, there's still La Mama still there. But like, I wonder if that whole, that that arena of like just doing like crazy raw shit. Yeah. Performance art doesn't really, it's not as much around anymore. I guess not. I guess it isn't. Or if it is, I don't go see much of it. No. 
No, you don't no. take the time? No, I don't really take the time out. So you know. when did you start working on being an actress? Like, what was that? Like well, I, that? Don't, I didn't start working on it until later, but the first thing I did, I was eight. I did Liz again. She was doing, she, was trying, she wanted to make a movie out of Runaways, out yeah. of her musical. Right. And, and because I was always around when my mom was working, she knew I liked to sing and dance and be a pain in the ass. And so she put me in that. Yeah. And then the following year, when I was nine, she put me in her show, The Haggadah. Jewish show. Jewish show. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't figured that out. Yeah, I'm, I'm like there you so go. quick. That's was right. It- she, had a, she wrote a musical about the Jews fleeing Egypt. And obviously, the story yeah. of Passover. And uh, and Julie Taymor did all these puppets. Yeah. And there were these big giant masks people wore. I remember the guy playing Moses had a big giant Moses head. <laughs> yeah, the Moses head. Yeah. That's that makes an impact when yeah. you're young. Yeah. <laughs> the Moses yeah. head. Yeah. So I did and that was at the public theater and that was my first real show. And was it a well received show? It was. It was very well received. It was yeah. just it was I, I and if there was puppets and humans. There were puppets and humans and, big and heads. singing and big giant paper mache heads that Julie Taymor made. Yeah. This was seventy nine. Uh-huh. And uh, you remember Zvi Schooler? Uh-uh. Do you remember him? Uh-uh. He played the rabbi in one of the uh, Woody Allen movies. I'm trying to remember. Probably Annie Hall. Yes, he's in Annie Hall. He plays the rabbi in that. Oh, really? For like a second. Yeah. He When we did that, he was about 125 when we did that. <laughs> Perfect age. Perfect age. Biblical. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. And then I just kept doing plays and stuff for a while. And then when I was 11 was the first time I did like, I started like auditioning for things. Did you, did you train? Nah. 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 Not at all. Nah. (laughs) Nah. Why? You just had it in you. Well, I don't know. People like, I I just learned on the job. Yeah. I think that's what most people do. You know, like, like when you're like back in the, back in the time of Dickens. Yeah. When children would go to work at six or seven to become apprentices. Yeah. And you they what? learn on the job. That's like me. I'm like I'm like a grimy Dickens child actor. actor. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you never did Oliver. It would have yeah. fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. So so you started mostly doing theater. Mm-hmm. And you, like, were you like this kid that all these theater people knew? Like that's uh, that's Clinton's I, in, kid in, in, among a certain crowd. Yes, maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little. Yeah. And when did you start um, like getting successful? Um. Well, you know, that's a relative term, but no, I, understand. I would say- Well, let's talk about it. I would say I started making a living at it <laughs> Yeah. when I was a teenager. After yeah. the movies? Yeah, when the movies started. Yeah, and what, what was the first big movie? First movie I did, first big movie I did was The River Rat. I mean, it didn't end up being a huge hit, but it yeah. was like the first feature I ever did. Who was in that? Tommy Lee Jones and Brian Dennehy and me. That was it. It was a big, le- I got a big lead part and I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. Working with And I those- had to learn how to ride a bicycle. You had, yeah, see, I never learned how to ride a bike. That's because living in Manhattan, living in Manhattan, and, and right. dad's out here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. Sure and my mother did not want me to learn how to ride a bike. She, she, she didn't want. No, she didn't want. Too dangerous. Yeah, didn't want to worry about it. She didn't want to deal with it. It was too stressful. She never. She wasn't really a big bike rider anyway. It just wasn't a priority. Is she still around? My mother. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't uh, attacking you. I yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. All right. So now you're like 12. Yeah. And you're with two like you know, monster actors. Right. Brian Dennehy. Right. And, and Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> were, were they, uh, did they, were they nice? Yes. Well, Brian Dennehy was very nice. Mm-hmm. He was like a big papa bear mm-hmm. kind of guy. 
very sweet, very affectionate. Yeah. Um, big, big hands, big, big guy. And what, what was the relationship? What was the movie about? It was about, um, I played a kid who was growing up in the bayou. <laughs> right. Or no, not the bayou, but like on the river. Yeah. And um, my father gets out of jail. Yeah. And meets me for the first and time. And comes Tommy home Lee and meets me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Brian Denny plays his evil parole officer. Uh-huh. Who's trying to get him put back in jail. Oh, because he thinks he's no good. Because he knows about a big treasure hall, like a big bunch of money hiding somewhere. Oh, so he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah. And now, like, okay, so learning on the job, you mm-hmm. know, you're working with these guys. Yeah. It's the first movie set. Yeah. What were your first, like, uh, impressions? Like, oh, my God, this is tedious. I, I had a around. blast. I loved it. Yeah? Oh, my gosh. I had so much fun. I had and, so much fun. And then your mom had to go with you? Yeah, my mother was down there with me. Yeah. Just hanging around? Did you yeah. have to go to school on the set? I had, had to go to you? school on the set and the whole deal, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and that movie was well enough received that you got more work? Well, it wasn't really... I mean, it was it was well received enough, but mm-hmm. I it was not a hit by any stretch of the imagination. No. Right. Is, yeah. it a, is it a cult favorite? I wouldn't even say that. No. <laughs> when was the last time you took a look at that work? I haven't seen it in a long time. Do you ever look at the I work think, you do? I don't like to, no. I think I'm not very, probably very good in that, although I was 12, so I got to give myself a break. Yeah, but you also probably had that spunky kid charm. Exactly. That, that was a tomboy thing. Yeah. yeah. That was sort of like yeah, the, yeah. your hook for a while. Yeah, not too self-conscious yet. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the thing. Well, that was back when we had tomboys in movies. You don't have that anymore. They're not? No, we don't do tomboys anymore. Haven't you noticed? I I, I don't know if I, it was... Uh, I was really paying attention in that way. No, in the 80s. I, I don't, I don't, I, in the 80s, remember, androgyny was kind of like a normal, fun thing. Sure. The girls, there were sure. a lot of... Andro- you know, like Mary yeah. Stuart Masterson. Right. Right? Yeah. You know, like the short-haired, smart, kind yeah, of street-smart yeah. girl. You don't have those characters anymore. No? No. Why? I don't know. Something happened. I wonder. You, you it, think it was it, a conscious? Got, there was a memo put out. I don't know. Enough with something the tomboys. Ha- something happened with the with the. I don't know. With with ideas about women and sex and sexuality huh. and pop culture. I don't know what happened. Is this a is it a positive or a negative that we're talking? I think about? it's probably a negative. I I miss here he- reading and and seeing stories about about tomboys. Well, now you have uh, teen girls who aren't necessarily always focused on boys and clothes right. and stuff. We don't see as much of that anymore. Oh, I, I don't know that I, I registered that. No, there you go. Well, I learned something today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just yeah. like, I, 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 I don't know. I guess I haven't seen a kid movie in a while or well, a movie with kids. Right. Well, I mean, they're not. We, yes, I don't see that many either. But you were like, you were around that. You were kind of one of them for a while. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. I think that was my niche. Yeah. for And then Goonies was the big one, right? Right, yes. Another tomboy. Yeah. Well, I Short-haired mean, girls. Yeah. yeah. Short-haired girls and, you know. Yeah. But that was like a huge movie, right? Massive. It- well, it, it's funny. At the time, it was not that huge. Yeah. And what happened? It's just somehow became, became this like classic. Classic uh, uh, nerdy kid yeah, movie? Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. And who directed that? Don, Richard, Richard Donner. Do you like when you work with directors? Do you register like like are there? Do you learn things from them? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes, unless they're terrible at it. But well, then you learn another kind of thing from them, like like what not to do. This guy's no how good. not to talk. Yeah. Right. What was he like? Dick Donner was yeah. great. He was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a torturous experience for him because he was dealing with eight. <laughs> Teenage children, most of whom were boys yeah. and horribly loud and noisy. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah. God, he was doing it that. Like, I he... know. 
And now he's like a big, massive, huge, important A-list movie star. He's a pretty good movie star. He's very good. Right? Yeah. You watch him and you're like, oh my God. I know. He's really good. He's supposed to be that up no there. No Country for Old Men. Oh my really God. really good in that. And that, the other one, Milk. Oh people. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, like, no, he's it, a really good one. Do you like still know these people? Not really. It's weird, right? I mean, I consider, I mean, I, yes, I know them, but, I, but we're not right. in touch. I know. I always, that's the one thing I've learned from doing the show over the years, that none of, none of you people. We don't really, none you, of us people really keep Like, we, we all see you and you're like, right. oh, they're all hanging out. Yeah, no, no. No. You just go live your life. Yeah, exactly. So. For the most part. What, did you hit like a place with this stuff, like the transition? Because it seems like you work constantly. Or, you know, pretty, a lot. thank you. Right? You're like a working actress person. Yeah, But when did the the sort of, like, spunky tomboy thing, when did you transition? Late teens, early 20s, I stopped getting work in movies. Did you panic? No. I was annoyed. I was pissed. I was, my ego was uh, wounded. Yeah. But I didn't panic, no. I kept working. I kept doing plays. I'd do some indie movies here and there. Uh, and then I started doing more television guest spots, really. And then in my 30s, movies like completely dried up. Yeah. Nothing. 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 And I haven't made a movie. I think I've been, I've done a couple of small parts in maybe a handful of movies in the last 15, 20 years. But you did like a lot of television. Tons. But let's talk about theater. Yeah. Because I like talking about theater. Me too. Because that's like the real, the real, the real deal. In a way. Well, because I just got done, you know, shooting a show for three months, a TV show. Mm-hmm. And like the one thing I noticed, I'd never done it before. I've mm-hmm. done my own show, but I've not done a part. Right. Is that the the waiting to act. Yeah. It's it's kind of daunting. I mean, like I never realized that part of the job was you might have to sit around for 10 hours and you have well, to- Well, on a movie particularly. Right. You have to manage your frustration. Right. Your resentment. Right. Your energy. <laughs> right. Right. To do your appetite. That. Yeah. Fuck you. I have to- because you could you could just graze and graze and graze. And it never stops. Fatty, yeah, you get this crafty pudge. That's right. That's that I gotta, right. <laughs> That's right. Like you're just watching people on set. Go, like That's I gotta right. manage this. It's like John Lithgow says: when TV makes you fatter, theater makes you skinnier. Because you're jacked all you're the time. You're jacked all the time. And there's the not there's, and there's not a no, table out there. That's right. You get what you get in your that's dressing right. room, whatever yeah. you ask for. And if you're going to eat a big meal before the show, that's a bad idea. So usually there's like, you're, you're, you're eating smaller meals. You know what I mean? And, and then, then afterwards. You're like, and then during the show, you just sweat it all out. Right. Yeah. And you just have the melon slices. That's or right. Or whatever's in the right. dressing room. Right. <laughs> whatever's in your rider. Right, right, right. The, uh, the veggie plate. Yeah, they don't provide that anymore no no you got to get your own food in the theater no maybe on the Has first day they give bad? you bagels oh really yeah but after that it's up to you <laughs> oh because you're there every fucking night yeah so when when did you start doing real theater well that was my own oh, the whole time i mean really the whole time really yeah and that was in new york yeah so you were really or in- it or regionally i worked a lot in seattle i worked seattle rep a bunch uh, Does then, that mean you just take residence there? No, I mean at the time uh, my mother was living out there. Um, at the time, um, she was actually married to the guy who ran the theater there. What age were you then? I was in my late teens, early twenties. So you're doing these movies, making a little bit of money, then and doing then theater. that dries up, and I do the, go to do the place. Now, what do, what do you find? Like, it's interesting to me that you really had no theatrical training. You None. just figured it out. Yeah, it was just grew up around it. Like I said. Yeah, but you got it like there's like you you must have some sort of natural 
propensity towards it. What did you do up in Seattle? Which shows? I, I did a bunch of them. I did uh, I did a couple of world premieres of Wendy Wasserstein plays. I did Heidi Chronicles and Sisters Rosenzweig up there when they premiered. Did you work directly with Wendy when you were premiering these oh, shows? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, she was there. It, those are funny plays, right? Yeah, they're very funny plays. And she was a phenomenally funny, wonderful warm sort of jolly laughter you know she had this really jolly laugh and this jewish stuff yeah sure jewish yeah. stuff yeah well you could do it i could hear it like this well funny. i'm a little i'm raised by jews so it's i'm a little bit like is the, your mom I'm like jewish a, i'm like the charzan of jewishness right right you're like uh you right the, yeah. you were raised in the jewish forest by right. jewish wolves. right that's right on the upper west side <laughs> right well right. you can hear it like i didn't know yeah. you were so new yorky yeah you know, like, yeah. like you can hear it in your voice. You got that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. me, yeah. Is your mom Jewish? No. Oh, they were just around. My father's very excited that he recently learned we have some Jewish ancestry. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Dutch. Dutch Jews. Jews. Yeah. Did you ever look at your, like, did you ever kind of, like, look at your, the sort of, the legacy, the Carradine thing? Sure. Like your grandfather? Yeah. Yeah. You oh, ne- yeah. You never met him, though. Oh, right? yeah, I did. You did? Oh, sure. I met him a bunch of times. The original Carradine. Yeah. He was like- the OG. In- yeah. <laughs> he was in like, what was he, what were the big movies? He he played- Grapes of Wrath. Yeah. But then he became like big in the B movies, like monster movies. Like he played Dracula a lot, Bluebeard. He did a lot of movies with like Bela Lugosi. That yeah, kind of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, And how old is he when you remember meeting him? He was in his uh, late 70s. So he's conscious. Mid to late seven, he was still spunky. conscious and spunky. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was always a. Uh, he was always um, uh, very um, sort of smart, sort of interesting, sort of dark. Uh, you know, sort of yeah. dramatic figure. He yeah. was, you know, he was a Shakespearean. He had, he was a part of a touring Shakespearean theater troupe for a long time. Were you proud of that legacy? Very, like, super proud of it. Yeah. And your dad and his, oh, the, your uncle David. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one, right? There's Bobby. Robert. Yeah, Robert, yeah. He was in that Sam Fuller movie, The Big That's Red right, One. That's right, Big Red One, yeah. He's I, great in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. Oh, yeah. Wasn't like his Sam Fuller's And they did The Long movie? Riders together. The, the Long three of them, Riders. Yeah. All the characters. All, the, all the, the three of them, and then it was the Quaid brothers. Right. And then it was the... Um, uh, come on, waiting for Guffman. Help me. A guest, Christopher yeah, Chris. Look at the guests. The, the yeah, two yeah. brothers. They were in it. We should. I should watch that again. I should too. Yeah. Like it because yeah. All right. No, my dad's in some pretty great movies. Oh, dude, the McCabe, Duelists, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. McCabe and is Mrs. The best Miller. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. All those Altman movies. That's right. Were Nashville. You, yeah. Yeah. Altman loved him. Yeah. And then he was in that Alan Rudolph movie. Yeah, he did a Choose lot of Alan me. Rudolph movies. And, yeah. Right. The Moderns. The Moderns. Yeah. Wow. My dad's done a lot of interesting, cool movies. Did you ever go on set with those things? No, never. Because you weren't out here. No. Yeah. No. And you, I'm glad you guys get along. Yeah, yeah, we do. All right, so to, let's talk about like uh, this. You, What were you doing in Chicago? I went out there. I auditioned for a play called The Libertine. Yeah. Which was a Stephen Jeffries play. He's an Englishman. And uh, it was with John Malkovich. And that How was, old were I, you then? I was... Uh, okay, it was 90... I want to say it was 96, or yeah. I would have been 26, 27. Yeah. 96 or 97. And uh, yeah, and I, so I auditioned for that, and I got the job. It was very, very, very excited because it was at Steppenwolf. Yeah. 
And you'd grown, I was a big part. You'd, big, grown, big part. you'd grown to respect Steppenwolf. Oh, very much so. I From, mean, I remember when I was younger seeing that they had filmed uh, True West, remember? Sure. With Sinise and Malkovich. The original True West. And Laurie Metcalf, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that they definitely define some sort of like very edgy, That's right. angry, very 70s, engaged. very, yeah. Style uh, into mm-hmm. the 80s, though, really, right? Yeah, yeah, t- yeah, but it started in the 70s. I want to say mid to late 70s. They started. And all those people came out of there. That's right. Joan, uh, Joan Allen, and, yeah. Roy Metcalf, mm-hmm. like Tracy Letts later. That's right, Jeff Perry. I saw Sinise's Very Child on Broadway. Yeah. That didn't last long, but it was a really good production. It was great. Yeah. What's With that? Terry Kinney was Terry in it. Terry Kinney. Yeah. Underappreciated actor. M- very much so. And, and doesn't particularly like acting anymore. <laughs> I think he well he's a friend of mine and I and I he has said uh that he has reached a point and this is something I completely get and understand that that the stage fright has just has uh has beat has won. Really? And so now he directs. He's got a show now at Lincoln Center that he's just directed. A theatrical director. Yeah. Richard the, Greenberg play. The stage fright got him. Yeah, that's huh. what he says. And Joan Allen too has talked about that too. She has, she's got. I think it's it makes perfect sense to me. I think the more you do it, and and the more uh, people end up liking it, it starts to become more and more terrifying rather than less and less for some of us. For some of us, you know, it's like Steve, Stephen Fry. Yeah, you know Stephen Fry. I know of him. Yeah, he, he he's written about at, at that moment when I I can't remember what the show was that he was doing, but it was in. London. It was in the West End. He was in costume, and he he he. The stage fright got him, and he literally left the theater, hailed a taxi, and disappeared for like a year. He went off to like an island. No shit. He was in his costume, and he just like ran, <laughs> took off, and didn't go back to the theater. I don't know. He did his own interpretation yeah. of the show. <laughs> yeah, and he's finally come back to the theater, but it was it took a long time. And that's something you experience. I experience stage fright in an intense way. Yes, I totally relate to that. What, I could see that happening. I've had fantasies about running out of the theater and hailing a cat for you, sure. When when you're in it though, like does it start like a week before or just like right then that day? I mean, like what what is the as soon as as soon as after the first couple of previews, I usually or round yeah. For and, after first couple of previews, it comes on because I'm on stage a lot as a stand up, and yeah. somehow or another that that has gone away. Well, that's very. But it's, it's just, a different thing. I don't know. Me. I don't know. Maybe. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, it's just me. Like, you know, after yeah, a certain point, you. you know, I'm, I'm going to go out there and be myself. And right. now, you know, a few people know who I am. So it's a little sure. easier to be myself. Right. But what is what is the fear? What do you it's think? It's a good question. It's a black horror. It's just a really? terror. It's a breathless. It's not even specific. It's like it sucks the wind out of you. And yeah. it's not like I'm not going to know my lines and they're not going to like me. It's or part of. It's part that. It's part. Um, it's just an existential. It's like your heart just is going to leap out of your chest. You can't hear. You can't think. It's just like your head's on fire. Oh, it sounds, that sounds like a like a, a bona fide psychological syndrome. It is, yes, not it just is. Sort of it's, been, it's been studied. Yes, it's a bona fide thing. It's been studied, and what they say. That it's a bona fide thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. But you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where. Well, like it's I, obviously anxiety related. Right, anxiety right. related, and, and and you know, it's a form of panic attack. Has it ever uh, disabled you on stage? It hasn't. It has not yet. Knockwood disabled me, but it's come close. Where you're in it, and you're where I'm out in of it, it, and I'm out of it, and just in a in a state of pure. Just sheer terror. Really? And can, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Yeah. I remember when we I did a musical. I did this musical, Pal Joey, a few years back. It's great. Well, Rogers and Hart, right? Yeah, and I hadn't done one in a long... I hadn't done a musical since I was a child. And I hadn't really sung publicly like that. Um, and, you know, once the orchestra starts playing, man, you know, the fucking train has left the station. And if you're not on it, yeah. you're fucked. <laughs> There's no catching up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You can't and, go wait. No. You can't improvise. And I had to do... That was scary. And the first number I did, uh, uh, which was like a, my first like big solo number with yeah. all the dancers around yeah. and then the dancing is involved yeah. and yeah. the choreography is involved right. and the band is playing, the orchestra's playing and and the lights are on and the yeah. people are there. Yeah. And the terror, the terror of hitting the notes. Am I going to hit the notes? Can I kick that high enough? And I came off the stage and I just got, fell to my knees and I was just hyperventilating in terror and they had to bring me paper bag. Really? Yeah. But you got through it. I got through it. I don't know how. And then afterwards, John Guerre came backstage and he said, you know, you don't look like you're enjoying yourself that much. You might want to try and seem like you're having fun. John Guerre. Yeah. I met that guy. What did he have to do with it? He did the replay. He just came to see it. Oh, he just oh. came to see it as a, you know, as a, as a, a colleague, guy. friend, yeah. you know, supporter. Yeah, he's a Wonderful guy. man. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Wonderful man, but I, I will never forget him coming to my dressing room and saying, yeah, you know, I just, one thing I'd like to mention, you might want to try and seem like you're, like you actually like the, being there. Like the exact worst, worst <laughs> yeah. thing to say at yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But but then you pulled it together and got through? Somehow, yeah. I got a Tony nomination, which was nice. I don't know how the fuck that happened. That somebody was having an off day. <laughs> Come on. Somebody got confused. <laughs> Maybe they were low on nominees that year. I don't know. But what is it about musical? Like when I can't imagine being in one. I would like to do it. I think I have a, uh, you know, I, I You have a good it. singing voice and everything? I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I believe you. 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 I mean, it, it doesn't seem necessary that it's good as long as it's right. authentic. Right. As long as it's authentic and, and honest. And sure, yeah. is good. Yeah. But even I've seen some slightly out of tune musicals that are sure. fine. Yeah. But to do a, a revival like that, I mean, yeah. it's just like you're just entering the American songbook. I know. Daunting. Yeah. Daunting, but fun. And then I had to do, well in like that show. I had to do th that song "Zip," yeah, which is which Elaine Stritch did originally. Oh, really? And it's one non sequitur after another. So it's a song. It's like and a, it's and it's the most impossible song to learn. It's fast. I don't know the song. It's not terribly fast, but it's just one sort of uh, of that period, sort of contemporary reference of the time. Yeah. So it's like uh, it's like uh, Bob Dylan's uh, "It's All Right, Ma." Yeah, and it goes on, and it goes on. It's seemingly forever, and it was the only <laughs> number in the show that I did completely by myself, and uh, in front of a curtain, like three feet in front of the people. And yeah. every night I got out there, and exactly that would happen. My head would go up in flames, <laughs> and it would just be a, my head was just a ball of fire for the three minutes that it went on, or four minutes. Then it went on, and then I would come off stage and cry or swear or, you know, right. you know, dry heave huh. and move on. So it'll be probably, it'll be a while before I do another, another musical. musical. Well, and at that, at that level, too. I mean, Broadway, I mean, like the weight of it. Yeah, I know. It's scary. Because I think, and I've said this before on here, that the reason I immediately react to musicals, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not so much the song or anything else, that there's a vulnerability. 
yes. in singing and, and in theater in general. But for some reason, when I see someone singing in public with other people, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. Like, because I, yeah. I, that's terrifying to me, singing yeah, in public. Singing, is, singing in public is terrifying. Yes, it is. Right? Yes. And then to see people. I don't like to do it, but I've done it. Right, but you can do it. And I've done like concerts. Like I had a concert at Lincoln Center, that jazz at Lincoln Center, that was just all my, just my show with my band. And, mm-hmm. And uh, you have a band? Is it like uh, I oh. have musicians that I work with, and I have a musical director. You do a cabaret thing. It's kind of a cabaret thing, yeah. It's like a it's like a one woman concert with stories. So sure, yeah, cabaret thing, I guess. That happens to like a lot of people in theater do that. Mm-hmm. It's a nice thing. It is a nice. Do thing. you do standards or what do you do? Um, I've done some standards. I've done some pop songs. I've been, the one I did in, in at Jazz at Lincoln Center was like part of the American Songbook series. Yeah. So, I did songs. I, the theme of the night was was about growing up in New York in the seventies and eighties. So I chose a lot of songs that were sort of reminiscent of that period. That I did you some cho- Tom Waits, some Randy Newman. What Randy Newman? Uh, I did uh, "It's Money That I Love" and "Jolly yeah. Coppers on Parade." But New York in the seventies, I didn't even really think about that. Mm-hmm. Like that. That was the heyday. Yeah. I mean, that was when... In some ways, yeah. Well, I mean, it was... When it was cool and scary and dangerous and broke. Right, right. But also, there was that... The whole tone of um, of culture at yes. some point in the late 60s and the 70s was really New York-centric. That's right. And well, because you could afford to live there. Artists yeah, could find so. places to live. They could find empty lofts and they could, true. you know, Lower East Side and, and they could squat and they could find a place to live now. That's done because artists can't afford to live there. I, I don't know who's living there. I really, I, I go there now because I lived on second between right. A and B for a couple of years and then mm-hmm. I lived on third and 16th for right. a few years and then I moved to Queens. But but I go there now. I'm like, is this a vacation island? Yes, it, it's it's a shopper's island. It's a mall. It's a shopping. It's shopping destination. But it's very now. weird because like, who's in all the apartments? Are they just empty that rich Many people them own are. them for the week? Or Many what? of them are. Yeah. Does it Those make... new ones, most of them are empty. They're like tax shelters, and the you know, there's a lot of you know. Does it anger you? And, yes, very much so. But you know, this is and it's part of why I moved to Brooklyn. Now I live in Brooklyn. And how's that? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Now, when you were growing up, did you go like, you know, how old, you were born in 70s? So 1970, you're too yeah. young to like yeah, do the whole kind of punk rock thing. No, no. I did my, my best friend Heidi lived down in the village and she did a lot of that in the 80s. Yeah. She was a very precocious young teenager. So well, she, you know, when, when she was 14, 15, 16, she was hanging out with that crowd. But that was yeah. sort of the tail end of the, of the punk scene. So what did you grow up with? Like what, Studio 54? No, I was too young for Studio 54, but a lot of the Palladium. Oh, yeah, yeah. Danceteria? Dance, so a little bit of Danceteria, yeah. Mud Club? Never went to the Mud Club. Yeah. The Tunnel. Oh, yeah. Uh, Limelight. Limelight. Yeah. I had a bad night there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It was like a church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of remember, like, you know, being sweaty mm-hmm, and, yeah. and running around yeah. and not having fun. Like, And I that was back when in the 80s when they let underage people into the club. everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. And, like, you know, I just remember there were people having a good time, but That's that right. eluded me. Yeah, it, yeah. I was chasing a good time. But right. I wasn't doing it properly. Oh, yeah. No, I was having a good time because I wasn't doing any drugs or anything. I was just dancing my ass off. Well, yeah, right. That's what the, yeah. the healthy, fun people did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That some people did drugs and dance their ass off. Right. Me, I just d- uh, did the drugs and yeah. got angry at people dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fuck are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> they don't get it. <laughs> they don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, all right, so getting back to this, I, and I'm now I'm, I'm tracking stage fright. Okay. Because it seems to me that if you're acting well- mm. Because I'm not a great actor, I'm not really a trained actor, but like I, you know, I've done mm-hmm. my my own show and I learned things. But I was really 
Like I was having these moments where I'd be having a scene with somebody mm. and I'd be moved by their performance. Yeah. And I was reacting to it inside. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, she's really doing a good job. I'm about to cry. Yeah. And that like like and I think it was appropriate for the character, but if you're that available, mm-hmm. that's gotta be part of it. Like, right. you know, not that you're going to be rejected, mm-hmm. but just that the the emotional exhaustion that is about to happen. Right. No. That, the, I, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think that's a big part of why I think getting to my age and a lot of actors who do get to my age eventually stop wanting to do it. Like, really? like to retire from public life and just put this on the back burner and just not do this. Very. Yes, it's exhausting. It's tiring. It's, is it rewarding? It takes a though? lot. Still? I mean, is it not a, like it's it's a relative term rewarding. I mean, it's rewarding mm, when it's over. But, right. in, you know, but the adulation is not enough after a certain point. No, like, just it, that it, makes it harder. Yeah. The adulation. I mean, I think I don't know. Maybe there's a, a neurotic part of this. that's also like the more people like it, the less you. Well, then, sort of are motivated. To- well, then, but then I imagine that plays into this sort of like I'm tricking them. I'm a fraud, right? You know, like what? Sure. You, you know what I mean? Like, what are they thinking? Yeah. You know, we're yeah. doing this every night, right? Suckers, right, right, right. <laughs> and now you know, and that now then you're some sort of emotional criminal, right? Right. You know, like- <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but like I guess that I guess it is relative that uh, that like if the process is not. You know, if you don't love it, it helps if it helps me, which is a horrible thing to have to admit. And this is a terrible confession to make, but it helps me to have a certain amount of uh, contempt for the audience. Really? Yeah, that that helps the stage fright. If I if I despise them from the get. Really? It helps. Yeah. It's nothing personal. It's nothing to do with them. Yeah. I don't want them to think I truly feel that way. Right. It's just a tactic that I use, you know. How does that help? I just help? Sort of stand behind the curtain before like the show him. starts and just go, fuck them, fuck you, fuck all of you, you fucking idiots. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> it's it's showtime. Yeah. And then, <laughs> da 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 da. Um, you know, which is, that, is a terrible thing to admit because I don't want them to think that I actually am thinking that. Well, I think it frees you from judgment, exactly. from projecting it's judgment. Exactly. Right? Yes. That's that true. It's simply a tool that yeah. I use. So, as opposed to them, you know, knowing that like, you know, I could disappoint them. Right. They might not like me. Right. They, they saw this. Right. If it's You're a theater, in my house now, motherfuckers. Right. That's it's how it is. It's a theater show. Yeah. Some of the people there might have seen the original. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> right. they're 90. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. John, John Guare's in the audience. Oh, that's the worst. What if I don't look like I'm having fun? <laughs> and, and you didn't. <laughs> There you go. You didn't hate John Guare enough <laughs> that right. night. <clears throat> That's right. Well, they, they're never going to say the right thing because then you get off stage, even if it's the crowd had a great time, you're wide open and some right. idiot comes up to you and goes like, that was pretty good. And, and you're yeah, like, and what? What, do you pretty, what do you mean pretty good? Yeah, right. Yeah. What does that mean? Qualify yeah. everything. You, right. you were brilliant. And then you're right. like, nah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't win. No, you can't win. But you should just every time you go, first of all, you have to go backstage and then you have to tell them they were great. And it has to be, I don't care if you're lying, you just have to say everything was amazing. You're training people who, who are able to get backstage. Right That's now. right. Right, yeah. Be nice. Yeah. Be, why once, I mean, I was the same way, but I don't think I, I, I ever thought about it the way you're thinking about it. Mm. I, I would find, like, I would see an audience in a comedy club or wherever, and I would just feel a vibe. Like, right. I'm like, those four guys. I not, don't know. No, something not, them. not Something right. not happening there. That's They're right. going to fuck up that whole right. section. And it's a different relationship you have with them anyway in that room. Right. 
then they're the, you I know, can't hide behind we've the got this marvelous song. gossamer wall between us and the audience right. do you know what I mean the, well, that, I that offers Conan a little bit of when he first started I said uh, you know we, we're, we're on a commercial break and I said uh, he goes man how you do this every night like it was early on yeah. we just gotta tell yourself to hide the hate yeah, it's like just, <laughs> just do that. But you hide the hate. Hide, hide the, the hate. hate. That's hide a mantra. Hate. Right. Hide the hate. Right. Or in my case, hate no, them. Don't just openly hate them. <laughs> that's a that's a great way to prepare. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not healthy. Yeah. For some, but if it works for you. So and go- then realizing to at the end, you know, it wasn't about them. It, it, was about it wasn't you. about them. You don't stop in the middle of a song and go like, "You fucking yeah, idiots!" Yeah, no, you don't. Why are you entertained by this? Yeah. It's old. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, it's like, right. And I genuinely do appreciate that they've been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we did the Coast of Utopia, and we'd have these like marathon days. This was the three, the three plays, the trilogy by Tom Stoppard oh, right, about right. the Russians. And there were some Saturdays when we do all three plays in one day. Oh my god! Each play three hours long, so it's nine hours. Really? Yeah. So we'd start at eleven a.m. and finish at eleven p.m. And we'd had a had a cast of like forty four actors, oh and those experiences god. were really extraordinary. And you loved that because at the end of that day, with that audience who'd been sitting there with you the whole time, <laughs> you've all been through. It was an extraordinary like experience, full of gratitude and appreciation and also shared community. Like a shared community and a journey and, and that big a cast i know huge, so like, beautiful is that and i imagine that element of theater probably more than movies or television that you know you you live in this community yes totally and it's a very intimate community mm-hmm. you, you know like i you know sadly i'm not sure i know all the gaffers names on the show i just did right but you know <laughs> right. but in theater you'll get there you'll get there oh yeah yeah you'll get their names yeah tonight at the yeah, rap yeah, yeah. party yeah yeah i'll figure oh yeah there you is go. your rap party tonight yeah. i have a rap party tonight oh yeah yeah for the o'neill's for real o'neill's yeah how many did you just do uh we just did 16 16 that was the second order yeah what was the first order 13 yeah yeah and do you are people liking the show i think so yeah yeah it's i mean a- our reviews are good we got on a couple of like best of lists which was good well, I think like I don't know that it's. Uh, I can't remember the last time that that's really been done. Like the sort of Irish working class right. family thing. Irish working class family with the gay son. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, that's probably never been done in as out in this way. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. The, there was the unspoken gay son. Yeah. Sure. The, the priest. Right. Or 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 like or the gay son who's not supposed to be gay, but you everybody knows he's gay. But they make him seem like he's not gay by making him like a nerd or something. And do, do you find this? character fun and challenging i do yeah i do you're a mom i know again it's weird (laughs) and now i guess i'm gonna keep playing moms because i'm 46 and that's what happens to women in this business would you want to play a 15 year old no i'd like to play a 46 year old single woman once maybe and and have it be the the lead who knows sure or not uh, look, I'll take the work I can get. I'm, but, you know, I'm not complaining. <laughs> look, can we just go back to Steppenwolf go. for a minute? That experience, that like, I would think that if you learned from doing that, Steppenwolf must have been a, a sort of like cathartic and important time. Yeah. And because like I, I don't know what happens there, but it just seems about like in terms of getting emotionally present mm-hmm. and working shit out on stage. Yeah, that's at a premium there. Yes. And did you? Did you so that was true. That, I think uh, so. Yes. Yes. Although I had no formal training, as we've talked about. Right. Uh, in a way, I think that sort of serves me in that in that 
environment. And who were the who'd you work with? At John Malkovich. I worked with the a lot first, of the company the members. That, you know, yeah, I worked with uh, John Malkovich and and Fran Guinan and and uh, Al Wilder and uh, yeah, a lot of people from that company. Uh, Marianne Mayberry. Was yeah. there an unspoken thing, or did they know that they had this tone that they were working with? Oh no, they've all. I think it's not unspoken. I think they they know it and they're conscious of it and they cultivate it in an intelligent way. I'm not saying it's you know. What they, was there a manifesto that you were aware no, of? No, but I think they had a they had a general attitude about what why they do it, what interests them about doing it. Which was what? Um, I want to say. Uh, um. I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly how to articulate it, but I want to say it's sort of a, uh, just a relationship with an unself-conscious type of performance that's rooted in some sort of weird Midwestern work ethic and ethos that is based in kind of, uh, you know, a, a heavy, a diet heavy in, in beef. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did it. Yeah. You okay. summed it up. They should put I, that I managed. On, they put that on the brochure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This production, yeah. it, a little, a little bit yeah. about Steppenwolf, yeah, and they yeah, just yeah. quote that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beef tag yeah, is yeah. good. So you were there for what? How many? Did you live in Chicago? Uh, well, when I was working there, yeah, for months and on end. I, and yeah, then, when yeah. I did the shows there, I did, was there for like four or five months, and then I went back a couple of years later, and I did Playboy of the Western World there, the Irish thing, and um, and then and that's when I joined the company. That's when I, I think was now to you're a New Yorker. Like yeah. it took me years to realize and to accept that. Chicago is definitely a great city and mm-hmm. it's its own city. Yes. Like, you know, like, because you, when you spend time in New York, you compare everything to New York. Right. And there's not very much that compares to it. But like, after going to Chicago over the years, I'm like, this is its own thing. I and love Chicago. Great. And I have a, I love it. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where I'd go if New York fell into the sea, which it's looking more and more likely will happen. Culturally or otherwise. Precisely. Yeah, literally yeah. Exactly. or culturally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I, there's a, I, I don't know how New Yorkers are reacting. To uh to to the emperor living there. Not well. <laughs> Not well. We're not enjoying. We none of us can believe that this douchebag we've yeah. known about since the eighties. Yeah. We've all known. Yeah. Who we, we've you all see known him this around. Guy. We've seen him around. He's yeah. been in the papers. Yeah. We know what an asshole he yeah. is. None of us can believe he's a president now. now. Yeah, and we now can't he's the king, and he's in the he's middle a, of Manhattan. He's a king. He actually he thinks he's a king. Yeah. He he lives in his ugly tacky building that was despised from the day it went up yeah and now ugh. and now he's ensconced there yeah. like some kind of it's just like this giant middle finger grotesque yeah it's in just the middle like a of Manhattan. giant turd yeah just a polished turd yeah blocking traffic the traffic isn't is worse than ever it took me three hours to get to the airport the other day no. three freaking hours from brooklyn no from from midtown to 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 JFK because of Trump congestion, because of Trump Trump related congestion, Trump related traffic, yes. Trump related. Uh, well, they uh, shut not... down like a section of Fifth Avenue, then they shut down a section of Fifty Sixth Street. It's ridiculous. How do you feel? He better pay. He better pay for that. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. so rich. He'll find someone he's else so, pay for it. He's so rich. Yeah. How How are you feeling about heading into this? In terms horrible, of, horrible, like horrible. The, the, now the fight becomes like. In, intense again it's intense and uh and also beyond anything that's ever been way beyond yeah. anything that's ever been right i mean this is uh, a horror an unspeakable horror that cannot possibly we can't even predict 
how awful it's going to become. Right. It, within a mat- in a matter of minutes. Yeah. Weeks. It's a tsunami. Yeah. It's a yeah. tsunami of horror. Yeah, I'm finding myself a, a very... Um... Like, you know, whatever obstacles you overcome personally yes, is all sort of like, you know, like uh, now it's it's overshadowed. Yeah. Like, like there, there, there's dread. Yeah. There's terror. Right. That, you, you know, that, right. you know, you can't even have that breath of like, I'm doing right. okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, you fuck. can't. No, everything. Everything. The personal thing and then the rest of it. Right. I'm feeling simultaneously paralyzed, enraged, depressed, anxious furious do you have any sort of hope or confidence in the arts to counter this like because i know that like there there was some sort of we didn't we didn't do very well preventing it so i'm not sure so like because there was this initial kind of uh uh you know kind of a uh, aggravated optimistic reaction that like you know punk rock you know is gonna but like when you really think about it retrospectively even the art in the uh, 80s right you know it does it did raise cultural awareness but Mm -hmm. what is its real power to push back i mean ultimately pushback has to be organized you know communities and and that's minority right. communities and, that's right and and real sort of action and concepts of protest are different now than they were then well i don't know how activated the youth is well we'll see but yeah. it's hard to be you know in this sort of atomized world yeah. where where information culture uh, you know, shorter attention spans, uh, the ease of connection with none of the follow through. Do you know what I mean? Twitter sure. and all that bullshit. Right. You know, everybody's saying, "Oh, Twitter's the new way of re- yeah. revolution." No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Revolution's no, it's the not. real no, way, new way of revolution. That's right. Exactly. It's like you know, you know, bodies in the street. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, stand. And we'll be there. I'll be there on the twenty first. I'm gonna march along with everybody else and do my best. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. But like, I'm still in a state of every morning I wake up going, oh my God, Donald Trump is the president of the United What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I no. Uh, yeah. And then the tears come, and then the ennui, and then the fear, and then the coffee, and then. Right. And then, like, I guess I got to go to work. Yeah. It's weird because it seems like work is somewhat the one thing that kind of keeps you from falling completely down right. the hole. Yes. And I imagine that while doing a show that has some social relevance relevance yeah. is is good. Cause it, like, that's good. It makes me feel good to know that there's people out there who actually have, you know, relationships with their parents again because of, you know, watching the show. Is that or true? Whatever. Yes, it is true. I've you been got told feedback? this many times. No yeah. kidding. It's very, oh, very see, that, moving. It's lovely. That, that's great. Yeah. That's a great feeling. Just that like that yeah. one email or that one person. That's right. Like I've, I feel myself choked up now. Yeah. I, it, we were at this, um, we were in West Hollywood for this event at a bar in Boys Town. And, you know, they, they, they do a live screening of our show every week at this bar called Revolver. And we were there last week and a bunch of people came over and said, you know, how much, first of all, how much my character reminds them of their mom or, uh-huh. you know. And then one guy comes over and he says, I just want you to know because of your show, my mother and I started talking again. We hadn't talked for years and, and we started talking when the show we came on last year and she started watching it and now we're friends and, and she gave me away at my wedding to my husband. <laughs> uh. I mean... Where else? You, I mean, that's an incredible thing. Yeah. So we have that. 
But that's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's and, huge. And and it's like it like at this it, and I think, you know, looking in the next four years, that's that's what we have to yes. do. Yes. That because I've said it before that you know, what the popular vote means is that uh, we have to watch each other's back that's and right. that we're not some sort of weird cloistered minority. No, no, we're not. We're yeah. the majority. Right. And now we've got to figure out how to keep culture and humans that's acting right. fucking properly. That's right. And being decent. Decent. Decency. Oh. Oy. Right? Mm-hmm. You didn't think that that was a risk, but it becomes a risk pretty fucking quickly. That's right. Well, I knew it was a risk because of these assholes for the last eight years being indecent. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they do. Right. I, I was- But not ext- empowered. I was, exactly, but now they are. Right. And I was, that was, that's the part. Yeah. Oh, the indecent one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Oy. how's the, um, how'd the new season go? It went really well. Yeah? Yeah, really well. You like the scripts? Who's writing I it? I love the scripts. It's Casey Gettinger and, and, and David Windsor, um, Casey Johnson Gettinger, and, and David Windsor, and then a wonderful stable of brilliant, very smart people. Staff writers? Yeah, a lot of them. There's, and, like, there's like 19 of them. It's crazy. And how'd you get the gig? You just auditioned? Or no, amazingly, I, I didn't have to audition. Can you believe that? Yeah, of I course. couldn't. Your thing. I, I couldn't mean, believe it. They Dan Sav- well, you know, it's loosely based on Dan Savage. Does he have a credit on it? He does. Oh, that's Executive great. producer, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. him. I love him, too. Mm. I love him, too. He's not around that much anymore. He's kind of taking a back seat, but, but he is producing partner Brian Pines is there all the time. And, and uh, yeah, so Dan called me. Dan, Dan Savage called me up. Uh-huh. And, and um, you know, we have a relationship, a little bit of one. We sort of like... A little bit of you from know, when you email were in friendship. And, uh, no, you... no, just from our work as you know activists in yeah. our various fields, and you know we've had conversations before. I've been on his podcast, yeah, yada yeah. yada. And uh, no, he called me up and he said, "I want you to play my mother or the woman based on my mother." And I said, "Well, yeah, okay, I'll see you there. When, <laughs> when what time?" <laughs> yeah. And wait, wait, where's a what network's it on? ABC. So it's like like that's, yeah like uh, it's America. I know it's crazy and it's wonderful. Yeah, it's on a night with like we got the blackish. Yeah, you know we got the fresh off the boat with oh, an Asian family, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Asian American family. I feel like they're just you know and now you know ABC now has the first black woman running the network uh, in their history, who's a fantastic woman. They have an interest, I think, in actually sort of. I mean, obviously, it's network television, you know. It's got its commercial appeal and all of this, but they're making an, a strong effort to actually tell stories about a diverse cross-section of people, I think which that's I a, appreciate. It's, it's an amazing thing it's because great. like, the power is still, network television still means something. That's right. Uh, despite whatever the media landscape looks like. And that's when you went, you know, like the guy, like what happened when the guy came over to me the other night. It yeah. was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a real thing. This is... This, you know, no matter what happens during the day, when we read the scripts, and you go, I'm not sure about this joke of that. In the end of the day, which is an expression I hate, but I've just used it, people are moved by these things. People's lives are changed by these things. You come into their house and you become a part of their world. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. And, and also that generation of people who's not, uh, you know, on Amazon. That's right. Necessarily watching uh, uh, whatever. That's right. Which is kids and old people. Uh-huh. Right. That's right. Those are important. That's right. And how's this experience television-wise, you know, versus like, you, I mean, you did a, a, a long time on Raising, Raising Hope. Hope. It was great. Yeah. It's a completely different experience. Right. Um, Greg Garcia, 
whom I love and would work with again in a heartbeat, is a is a is a much more sort of central leader, centralized uh, showrunner and uh-huh. creator, and has his hands in everything. Yeah, and you really feel Greg Garcia. Do you right. know what I'm saying yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. working for him? And 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 I love working for him. This is different, and there's a larger staff of writers. There's a you know there's a sort of a triumvirate of showrunners, um, and it's a little bit more you know sort of spread out between yeah. them um and the show itself i think is is more even though we're they there's t- a lot of risks taken and it's yeah. you know i think in some ways it's more family it's sort of a little more maybe yeah. a little more conventional right 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 because like the yeah. delivery system has to be uh understood that's right you know yeah you, you don't exactly. want exactly there's a generation of people you don't want to tune in and go like what's happening that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they still out there, those yeah. people. And it's ABC and the other one was Fox. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. So you got a rap party tonight. We got a rap party tonight. Where's you, your rap party? Downtown. Yeah. Ours is somewhere else. Where Hollywood. You, where are you shooting mostly? Uh ABC, Disney. Okay. It's great. Out here in Burbank. Yeah. Okay. I love it. And they've built all the sets and it's Oh yeah. It's great. It's I, I love that about show business. Does that I excite do too. you? Do you have like I love you, it. I love a lot. I love working on a lot. Yeah. I really do. We shot Raising Hope in a in a in a warehouse in 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 way you know where they used to make the porn movies where, in the valley. Yeah, way way out there. It was just a warehouse, like a convert. Where now we're on a lot, and yeah. I love I love being on a lot. You got to go Disney through the lot's gate. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You got, we're you shooting. Got your little badge. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. And then you know the guy at the gate. Yeah, oh, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a, yeah, just you know, like the commissary. On, yeah. You know, I Paramount. love that. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's like studio. Yeah, yeah. We're shooting on stages, but I'm I'm always fascinated where you know. It's it's the same in theater though, where you have this room, and then just outside the room, there's yeah. this guy standing around who built a room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then when you walk into the room, it's like a magic space. Right. It's magic space. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. So what do you do now? Are you going to go back to New York? I go or? back to New York. I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to Edinburgh for the new year. Then I'm going to go to London for a little, bo- little while. See my fella. Yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah, for for what? For New Year's for Hogmanay. Just oh really? Yeah, just for fun. I'm yeah. I'm gonna take in my mom. I'm gonna meet my guy, and then I'm gonna come back here. I bought a house out here, Mark. What you the did. heck? Yeah, I bought a house out here. Do you like? I it? never thought I would, but I, I've just it's a, the right thing to do. Well, now that the world's gonna fall apart and everything's gonna implode. Yeah. Real estate, real estate, baby, real estate. Is that it? That's the plan because also I'm getting older. Is this something you heard? The work's gonna dry up eventually. No, this is the way to do. So now I can, if I have real estate, then I have you know some passive income. You know what I'm saying? When everything falls apart, you can rent it. That's the idea. To the people that are here seeking asylum. That's right. That's right. When, when <laughs> That's the, right. When California detaches itself right. from the union. That's right. It's about time, you know. I bought my first house at 42. This is my second home. It is. It's... Oh, you bought the one in Brooklyn, too. Uh-huh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Thank you, television. Thank you very much for helping me to become I'm... an adult. Yeah, very good. Yeah, this is the first one I bought. And then, and then like, for me, though, I, I, I can't understand why people buy other ones. Like, right. I, they're leaving this place. Like, But I, uh, I have the cats. Are, they're right, comfortable yeah. here. Right, right. Well, I see. That's I don't have cats. Mm-hmm. No, but I mean, having them in different places is one thing. But the right, idea right. that, like... I live alone, mm-hmm. and I, I have a second bedroom that I don't really know what to do with. I right. have a closet in there, right? And sure, my records. that's good. Yeah, but like you know, the idea is like, well, get it. You should get a bigger house. I'm like, eh, no, that sounds. You're fine. You don't need a bigger house, right? I need to fix this one though. Yeah, 
But you like California now, though. You, I mean, you well, I have like, a lot of family here, and, and I'm friends. used to, and I do. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't like it so much. Now I enjoy it. I think as I get older, it's like a, it's more of a retirement community type feel for me. It's like, <laughs> like yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, you mentioned Elaine Stritch. Are you friends with her? Did she pass away? I, she's passed away just recently. We, we were, yes, we did get to know each other a little bit. Like it seems like there was a, a common. There's something in common there. Somehow. People have mentioned that. People have made note of that. Does that bother you? No, of course not. I'm, it's a lovely compliment. She <laughs> was a little nuts. Right. I like to think I'm maybe not quite as a time. high maintenance, but I'm getting there. Yeah. Give yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll all happen for you. Yeah. So yeah. when you like when you're out here, you spend time with your siblings. Yes, I see my siblings. I see my family. And yes. you like the weather. I like, I enjoy. It's weird how you come around to it. You do, you come around to it. Like when you're in New York. I like the Huntington Gardens. I like to go stroll through the beautiful gardens. My girlfriend does that like three times a week. Yeah, it's really, really nice. She's a member. Yeah, me too. I'm a member. I love it. I'm probably going to see you there when she is able to drag me out there. Yeah, Yeah, you go on a Sunday, you have a nice tea. It's all you can eat tea. I'm sure you've seen her. Oh, possibly, yeah. But they, but do you have the little sandwiches and stuff? Yeah, the sandwiches and she the usually scones. goes to the Chinese garden. To I get love the, tea the Chinese there. garden. Oh, beautiful! I yeah. haven't had the tea at the Chinese garden yet. I they should have try little, that. Well, yeah, they have ch- the Chinese tea and yeah, like, sure. uh, almond cookies and stuff. Yeah, lovely. All right, all right, all right. Well, uh, best of luck with Thanks, the reception Mark. of the new season. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Spunk, courage. Attitude, New York. You can also go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Order a poster, check my tour dates. I'm heading out. A lot of dates coming up. Toronto sold quick. I guess I got some fans in uh, up there in Canada. Canada. <laughs> Canada. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> no sneeze.